0: Open your Bible there tonight, if you would, to Philippians chapter number 2, Philippians chapter number 2, and uh, verse number 17, Philippians chapter number 2, and verse number 17. For the last couple of weeks um, in our study on Philippians, uh, we have talked about how that God is at work in us, and um, through the Word, he's, He's working in us through the Word of God, through prayer, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and He works in us the life of Christ, and we work out the life of Christ in our daily walk and our daily living in verse number 12 and 13 of that second chapter. And that's what we dealt with for a couple of weeks, those verses. And he said that um, for us to work out, remember that? work He said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Everybody knows that verse. We've heard it. Uh, if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard that verse before. And a lot of people have used that verse to tell somebody to mind their own business, you know. You just work your own salvation out. I'll take care of mine. You take care of yours. And that's not what... (laughs) That's not... (laughs) not what Paul was talking about, all right? Uh, <laughs> that's not what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about me coming up and saying, okay, Jim, you live your life, I live mine, and I'll do what I want to do, and you do what you want to do, and you leave me alone. That's not what he was talking about. Uh, what he was talking about was us working. He, he went on to say then in that next verse, he said, for it is God that worketh in you. It is God who is at work in you. Aren't you glad God's at work in you? And He said, "It's God who's at work in you, and uh, uh, to will." He said, "To will and to do according to His good pleasure." And um, so, it's God, the Holy Spirit, working in us to put the desire in us to live for the Lord and uh, every born again believer has a desire to do right don't they every every saved person has the desire to live right they want you want to live right and sometimes you don't come up to that expectation and you, and, and and you fail the lord and we've all done that but it grieves you when that happens because the desire is there to live for god that's that's the new birth. That's being born again. And uh, when you get born again, the Spirit of the Lord comes to, to uh, recreate you on the inside. And He comes to live on the inside of you. And He puts a brand new desire in you. Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature a new creation old things have passed away and all things become new and so the d- new desires are there but not only does God give us those new desires but he also gives us empowers us and gives us the ability by the Holy Spirit to walk that life out it's God working in you to will and to do the willingness and the ability to do and to live that holy life. I've heard people, have you ever heard people, have you ever heard people say as an excuse for not getting saved or coming to church, well I can't live it. You ever heard people say, anybody ever tell you that? Well I couldn't live it. I said that for a long time. Well ain't no need me going to church and getting saved because I can't live it. Right, the, the, the fact was I wasn't born again. I didn't want to live it. I was enjoying sin. I was liking what I was doing. But no, that, that, and that, you know, that is true. You can't live it. I can't live it. Nobody can live it. But Jesus already did live it. Glory to God. He's the only one that did. And then when you get born again, Jesus comes on the inside of you to live it on the inside of you and through you and in your life. Paul said, I am, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. That old man's dead. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is our example of how that we're supposed to live. And the energy to follow that example, the energy, the power to live that life uh, comes from the Holy Spirit. And the result then is a victorious life, free from sin, a victorious overcoming life, and a life of joy. Would you agree that living for Jesus is a joyful life? Amen. Even in the midst of the mess and the dark world that we're living in today, thank God those who are living for Jesus, we can still have the joy of the Lord, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise God. But let's look now... Uh, We're going to pick up here in verse number 17... Verse number 17 of uh, Philippians chapter 2. I've got my King James. I think they've got New King James, but they're pretty close, so we'll just, it doesn't matter. There's, I'm going to be, basically, scriptures I'm using are going to be from the New King James. But here in verse 17, yes, and if I am poured out, this is Paul speaking to this church. He said, if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. If I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Now what in the world is Paul saying here? What is he talking about? He's been talking to them about their life and living an overcoming life through Jesus, living in them and walking in them and working in them. He talked about, uh, we mentioned it last week, of being blameless, said that they should be blameless, harmless sons of God God in the midst of a, a crooked and a perverse nation to shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. He's telling them all this, you know, and, and, uh, and then he says, and if I be poured out upon the sacrifice, a drink offering, upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice. Paul here is comparing himself to the drink offering. What was that? If you've read the Old Testament... And under the law of Moses, all of the sacrificial system, there was the sin offering, there was the peace offering, there was the trespass offering. I know I'll forget one. There was the the meal offering. There was five major offerings, sacrifices that were made under the Levitical priesthood. But you also read of the drink offering. And the drink offering wasn't that they uh, got something to drink, but they took a canister, they took a portion of wine, and when they offered, the offerer came to offer his, his sacrifice, his bullock or his lamb or his ram or whatever he would offer, that they, the priest would offer that sacrifice on the altar, and the individual then would take this, this flask of wine, and he would pour it out on the ground unto the Lord. And that's what Paul's comparing himself to here. And it was an illustration when they poured that out, that wine out. It was, a, it was an illustration of them, of a life that was being poured out for the service of God. And that's what it was likened to. And that's what the illustration was, is that their entire life they were giving to the Lord and they were pouring their entire life out to God and giving themselves to Him. And so Paul is comparing himself here to that drink offering. And he says this, he said, I am being poured out as a drink offering. Now, he made reference to this in another place. In uh, writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, when he came to the end of his life, when Paul, 2 Timothy was the last epistle that Paul wrote. And he's writing to Timothy and it's time for Paul to, he knows that he, now for sure, that he's going to be executed. And in 2 Timothy 4, 6, he said, For I am ready, he said, I am already being poured out As a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I'm being poured out and the time of my departure is at hand. So he was referencing the fact that he was being poured out, his life was being poured out as a a drink offering to God. That he was giving the entirety of his life to the Lord even to the point of death. Paul accepted the fact that the wine, so to speak, of his own blood is getting ready to be poured out in martyrdom for the Lord. That he is getting ready to die for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The drink offering was, a, was figuratively used many times as blood poured out in a violent death. That's what the figure of that drink offering was. So the Apostle Paul here was saying that his death for the Lord Jesus Christ would be a willing sacrifice and would be one that would give him joy and gladness. Now, what an attitude this is that Paul has here. You you know, Philippians, the theme of this book is the theme. It's joy is the theme of this book. And he says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. I've poured my life out to God. And uh, he said, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. In this, in this time in Paul's life when he didn't know for sure, he didn't know for sure if he was going to be martyred or if he was going to be released from prison. We talked about that back in the first chapter. He, had, uh, he was praying to be released. He had a desire to be released and to remain here. Remember, he said, I'm in a, I'm in a great strait between two. He said, I, I, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But he said, for me to stay here for you, be better for you for me to stay here, and be able to continue to minister to you, speaking to the church, and continue on in the ministry that he was doing, and uh, so he wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen but here he said I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering to God if my life's blood is spilt for the Lord Jesus Christ if I have to give up my life for the Lord Jesus Christ then that's, that's totally alright with me he said I'm, I'm ready to do that I'm ready to do that I'm not, I'm not afraid to do that I am ready to do that to give my life for Jesus. And uh, he said, I rejoice in that. Now, I'm going to tell you something. A a guy with an attitude like that, that whether I live, I'm going to praise God, or whether I die, I'm going to praise God, or whatever happens, I'm going to praise God and be glad and rejoice in the Lord. That's hard. It's hard for the devil to do something with a guy like that. Amen? Praise God. He said, whether we live, you know, in one place he said, whether we live, we're God. Whether we die, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. And so that's what he's saying here. Nothing was going to steal his joy. So in verse 18, he said, for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. So in other words, he's saying, if I am martyred, if I do die and give my life he said I want you to rejoice and be glad and rejoice with me and uh, in that fact that I've been been martyred for Christ they were not to be sad if he had to give his life they were not to be sad at his departing they were not to mourn his passing or his death but they were rather to rejoice and again it goes back to what he said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he said, For me to live is Christ, and to die is what? Die is gain. And he said, um, He said, I'm in a straight, verse 23 of chapter 1. He said, I'm in a strait between two, uh, having a desire, notice this, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So Paul's attitude was that if if I, if I live, I'm going to serve the Lord. For me to live is Christ. If I die, that'd even be far better because I'm going to be with Jesus. My, can't we get a hold of that tonight, amen? I don't know. I don't know that if it will, if it will ever come to that. I would, I've thought about this many times in my life, that, well, we live in the good old land of the free and home of the brave, the good old United States of America, there's no chance of a Christian ever having to face martyrdom or execution or be put to death in this great nation which we live in. And I hope it does, never does come to that. Um, who knows? <laughs> I said, you know, I mean, we just don't know. But here's the thing. If it ever did come to that, we've got to be willing Let me say this. We as believers have got to be willing to go all the way with the Lord, no matter what the persecution may be that comes against us, even if we're called upon to go to death. Jesus said, Jesus said, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So we're to be faithful even unto death. And we talked a little bit about that Sunday night. You know, Jesus said, Jesus said, don't be afraid or fear them that destroy uh, the body only, in that what he said? He said, don't fear them that can destroy this body, but rather fear him that has the power to destroy both body and soul in hell. In other words, you don't have to fear what man can do to you. You don't have to be afraid of what any body can do to you. The only one that you're required to fear tonight is to fear the Lord God Almighty and to live for him, to serve him, and to reverence him. And, and, and if it ever did come, I, you know, I'm Praying every day for the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church. But if it ever did come to that point where we would have to give our lives for Jesus, I just believe that God would give us that same grace that He gave to the Apostle Paul that would be able to say, I'm ready to be poured out. My life is poured out in consecration to God, and I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering, as a sacrifice to God, because I know that as soon as soon, you know, Paul Paul was beheaded and uh, he went to that chopping block and that executioner took that axe and raised it up and brought it down and severed the head of the Apostle Paul from his body. But at the very moment, in that split second, the Apostle Paul was in the presence of Almighty God walking on streets of gold and looking upon and beholding the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. The worst thing anybody can do to you is to take your life. And as a child of God, praise God, if they take your life, you're going to be with Jesus. I told that story, you know, about the about the the wife, the, the Christian woman that was being persecuted. By her husband, and uh, he was unsaved. He didn't want her to go to church. He forbade her, forbade her to go to church. And so she's getting ready for church one Sunday, and and um, and he tells her, he said, "You're not leaving this house to go to church. I forbid you to go to to go to church." And so she just kept on. She didn't argue with him. She just kept on getting ready. And he did everything to try to stop her. And as she was getting ready to go out the house, he got his pistol out, and he pulled out his pistol. And he pointed it at her and uh, he said, now where are you going? And she said, well, if you pull that trigger, I'm going to heaven. And if you don't, I'm going to church. Praise God. Well, that's the kind of attitude we got to have. Amen. We're not going to. We're not going to give up uh, serving the Lord for anybody. Amen. So Paul wanted them to rejoice with him in that fact that even at his departing, they would rejoice. They would be saddened to know that he's gone, but they could rejoice to know that he was gone. There to meet as a reward. That's kindly the way it is, saints, when a child of God passes on, isn't it? When a loved one that's saved uh, passes away or dies. We're saddened because their presence isn't with us anymore. But there's still a rejoicing there because we know that they're in heaven and they're with Jesus and they're in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 19. Look at verse nineteen. Now, Paul here introduces two helpers uh, in his ministry. Here uh, in verse number nineteen, and he says this. The first one is Timothy, and I don't. We probably won't get to Epaphroditus again. I'm glad I'm named Rick. Amen. But um, we're going to talk about. <laughs> we're going to talk about. I like them, you know, Bill and Jim and John and Rick and, and all of those names. But uh, um, we've got Timothy and Epaphroditus that we want to talk about. But we're going to begin with Timothy because Paul uh, introduces these two men, these helpers of his ministry. And um, in verse 19 he says, But I trust the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. And Paul is concerned about this church, the condition of the church. He's heard some things. As I said before, weren't any major problems in this church, other than there was a little bit of strife and contention beginning there, but uh, that Paul had gotten word of, and he addressed that. But he said, "I'm going to send. I'm not able to come myself because I'm in I'm in prison. But I'm going shortly. I'm going to send Timothy to you." so that he can come and and minister to you and he can find out and 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 find out your state or the condition of the church and come back and let me know how things are going there at the church and um he's concerned and we see that he's concerned about the church do you know that this is a true heart of a pastor that that Paul is revealing in himself here when he says that he, he says he's going to send Timothy because I want to know your state. And I believe that I'm going to be encouraged. He said, when I find out your condition and how good you're doing. That's the heart of a pastor. Every true God-called pastor, shepherd, is concerned about that flock and about the state of that congregation and that church. If he's not, if he doesn't care... If he's not concerned, then he's not really a shepherd, a true shepherd, but he's what? A hireling, amen? And uh, there's a lot of hirelings around, but the true shepherd, the true pastor pastor is concerned about the flock. So Paul can't go to Philippi by uh, uh, himself go. He can't himself go, so he's planning on sending Timothy to go to Philippi to get word on how the church is doing, to come back to him at Rome so he can be encouraged and set his mind at ease knowing that everything's okay and that all is well there at church. And he's confident that when Timothy goes to the church that he's going to come back with a good report. He's just confident that he's going to get a good report about that church at Philippi. Now, who is Timothy? We're all familiar. Are we all familiar with Timothy? He's a young man, he's a young preacher. He was saved. He was saved under the ministry of the Apostle Paul. I believe it was on Paul's second missionary journey that Timothy got saved. And um, uh, Timothy became an understudy, I guess, uh, and Paul began to train him. Paul began to mentor Timothy. Paul began to, uh, kind of took him under his wing and as, his own, as his own son. And Paul refers to Timothy as his own son in the faith, spiritually speaking. And so Paul becomes a, the apostle Paul becomes a spiritual father and teacher and mentor to young Timothy, I tell you what, man, what a a blessing that would be to have this great man of God to be your mentor, to be your your spiritual father. And you know what? Young Christians, young believers, young preachers need a spiritual father. Every young Christian needs um, an older Christian to direct them, teach them, and mentor them. Do you believe that? Amen. We can't just leave them go on their own and, well, you're saved now. Just do the best you can. No, we need to, and I, that's probably, you know, we're probably all at fault there of not mentoring and training and nurturing young converts the way that the way that we should. Young converts that are born into the kingdom of God are newborn babes. They have to be, they have to be cared for. What if you took a, a newborn baby and just Put it out in a bed somewhere by itself and shut the door. And never did, never went in there and cared for it. You never, you never fed it. You never bathed it. You never changed the diaper. You never talked to it. You never played with that, with that baby. Well, what would happen? It, it, it wouldn't develop, it would eventually die, that's right. And it's the same way, it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. When, 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 when people come, when, you know, when they're new converts and they get born again, they need training, they need discipling, they need teaching, they need mentoring. And that's what Paul did to Timothy. He mentored him and he taught him and he trained him. Now, Timothy was a, had a great upbringing. And when you read about Timothy, uh, Paul talks about, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he talks about uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother. And he said, the sincere, the unfeigned faith, Timothy, that, that is in you was also in your mother was it Eunice? One of them was Lois and one of them was Eunice. I, don't, I'm, I usually get them mixed up. But, but your grandmother, your mother Lois, your grandmother Eunice, or vice versa. But uh, when I get to heaven, if I got their names wrong, I'll apologize to them. But uh, <laughs> anyway, his mother and grandmother taught him and Paul said to Timothy he said, he said that of a child you've known the holy scriptures that were able to make you wise and to salvation so Timothy had a good upbringing now the thing about Timothy was Timothy's dad was not a believer Timothy's dad was a Greek and uh, he was not a believer he had never Timothy you know was not really brought up in that Jewish culture tradition and trained that way he was not circumcised as all young Jewish boys were, um, so we know that his dad didn't have much of an influence over his life, but you know, here's the thing, even though his dad, Timothy's dad didn't have much of an influence over him, his, he had a, grandma, a godly mom and a godly grandma that, that had faith and that taught him the word of God. And praise God, one day, they sowed that seed. I'm about to shout. They sowed that seed in that that boy's heart. From the time he was a child, they taught him the Holy Scripture. And one day, he came in contact with the Apostle Paul. And he got born again and gave his heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, amen. Don't ever give up or don't ever get discouraged Keep sowing that seed. Keep sowing that seed in them kids' life, in their hearts. Amen. Maybe their mom and dad don't go to church. But when you got them grandbabies, give them the word of God. Sow some seed of the word. Teach them the word because I'm telling you what, it will have an impact and it will have an effect on their life. Can I get an amen tonight? Woo! hallelujah, I believe that. I believe that our grand uh great granddaughters were over at the house the other day, and chloe she's she started pulling stuff out of out of her what did she have a purse a backpack she started she had two bibles in there she brought with her amen and two new testaments and uh uh she she had them and then my wife gave her Vicky gave her. Another Bible while, we, while uh, she was there, uh, an older Bible that we had. But she, there's something the Lord has put in her heart that she knows there's something special. How old is she? Four years old. And she knows there's something special about that book. Praise God. Amen. Our, our youngest daughter, Rachel, the one who's in heaven now, she was that way. She always just had a heart toward the Lord. Amen. Not like our well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> she, she she always <laughs> brother Jim knows my oldest boy, but anyway, um, she always had a heart toward God, and we need to continue to sow the seed of the Word. And I'm going to tell you what those kids, those kids of ours, those kids of yours that may not be living for Jesus today. Let me tell you something. You, you you know the Bible still says train up a child in the way they should go and when they're old they'll not depart from it. that word they can't run from your prayers and they can't run from that word and praise God that's why we still have Sunday school. that's why we still have have, have those Sunday school classes for those kids and, and my wife has taught the nursery class and taught those little babies and those little ones amen and they've grown up. they get the word of God in them. That's what happened to Timothy he got the word of God in him and he got saved became an understudy of Paul became a, a preacher of the gospel became an evangelist did the work of an evangelist and then eventually became the pastor of the church at Ephesus and gave his life and was martyred for the Lord Jesus gave his life for Jesus but he had a great and a successful ministry But Paul is sending him on a mission to go to the church at Philippi. Now, listen to what Paul says. Look at verse 20. Why do you think that he's he's sending Timothy? Why don't he send somebody else? Here's the reason he's sending Timothy and using Timothy. He says in verse 20, For I have no one like-minded, listen to it, who will sincerely care for your state? I have no one as like-minded as Timothy that will sincerely care for your state. Of all the people that Paul had and was under him, he said, there's no one, there's not one of them, like, like young Timothy. He is like-minded with me. So Paul's saying that Timothy. That word like minded means of equal soul. He was equal, he was an equal soul to the Apostle Paul. He was like minded with Paul. He and Paul were on the same page. They worked well together, they were in unity together. Timothy had the same heartbeat that Paul had in the ministry. The Amplified Translation says that that there is no one that has such a kindred spirit with me as Timothy. So they were, they were one and the same. Their hearts and souls were knit together. They thought alike. They believed alike. They were, they, they, their heart believed and, and, and longed for and desired the same thing. Amen. And so everyone, this is the way, listen, this is the way church is supposed to be. Saints of God, Amen. All of us are, should be like Timothy, and be. We should all be like-minded, Amen. When it comes to church and the ministry and the things of God, Hallelujah, and um, that's the way all ministry and the church is supposed to be, uh, in, in in everybody being in unity, believing the same thing, speaking the same thing. Are you with me? See, we can't have, that's why, you know, a pastor has to be able to trust those that um, are teaching Sunday school classes because you can't have a teacher teaching a Sunday school class teaching something different than what the pastor's preaching from the pulpit. Everybody's got to be like-minded in teaching and preaching the same thing. Isn't that right? You agree with that? Amen. We gotta have. We gotta be like-minded, and uh, all believing the same thing, speaking the same thing, unified. In this book and in this word, that's the way we have to be. And so Paul, Paul said, this, this young man here, I don't have anybody else that's like-minded with me and, and, and cares for the state of the church like I do. Paul said, Timothy shares my burden. That's why I'm sending him to you. And Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, told the Corinthians, he said, Timothy does the work of the Lord as I also do. And so there was a unity there. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't know, I don't know, but that's quite a compliment. Wouldn't you say so? That's quite a compliment coming from the great apostle Paul to say that about young Timothy, that he has the same mind and the same concern for the church that Paul had. My Lord, that's awesome. What a, what a What a compliment that he's given to Timothy, but then he gives Timothy a compliment, but then he gives a, a, quite an indictment to everybody else, and they might have all been they might have all been jealous of Timothy Paul's bragging on Timothy. <laughs> Paul's bragging on Timothy for his faithfulness and his work and his like-mindedness. And then in verse 21, here's what he he says about the other ones. He said, I have no one like-minded as Timothy, for, for all seek their own and not the things that are Jesus Christ. He said, everybody else seeking their own desires and their own things. I can't find nobody like Timothy that will share my burden for ministry, that will come along beside me. Nobody at all that I know of that I can trust to send him to you to to be able to trust that he'll carry out what what I've asked him to do and what I've commissioned him to do. Got quiet all of a sudden. Y'all was shouting while ago. For all seek their own and not the things. Listen to that. Now you can say, amen. Or you can say, oh my. Or you can say, ouch. <laughs> For all seek their own, not the things that are, that are Christ Jesus or of Christ Jesus. So what's, what's Paul saying here? Paul's saying, well, I went over my list. Got a list of people here. I need somebody to go to Philippi to check on that church and to, to, to minister to them and to bring me back a good report. And I've got a list here, and I need somebody. I need somebody that I can really depend on and that I can really count on to do a good job and to be faithful. So he's going down the list. No, can't ask him. Can't depend on him. Couldn't send him. No, oh, they could have gone, but no, I'm sure they've got an excuse, got something else to do. Well, oh, they're too wrapped up and involved in other things. They got to no, they can't come. They Sunday's their only day off. They they got to go to the zoo. <laughs> Oh, help us, Jesus. Now I couldn't send them. They're not dependable. You know what? Every pastor has one of those lists. I'm just going to get real quiet now. And, it, and it's not, not necessarily a, a, a written-down physical list, but every pastor has that mental list that they roll through their mind and they go over when they need someone. To help them in the ministry, in the work of the ministry at the church. How many of y'all know that the pastor wears a lot of hats, but he can't do it all? Do you understand that? Amen. Well, that's what we pay him to do. You know, that's what we pay the preacher. We pay the preacher to do that. We paid the preacher to do all the visiting and the hospital visiting and the praying for the sick, and we pay the preacher for all this to do all that. We don't, all we're gonna do is we're gonna come and just let him bless us every once in a while. That's not the way that it is. You know, the fivefold ministry, Paul said in Ephesians chapter four, the the pastor, teacher, and evangelist, prophet, and apostle, I've got them in the wrong order, but that fivefold ministry, he said, is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. What, my, what I'm doing here tonight and on Sunday morning, Sunday night, teaching, preaching, ministering to you, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be, I'm, I should be equipping you, maturing you, getting you into the place for the work of the ministry for you to do the work of the of ministry do you know that everybody in the church has a part in that church has a ministry has something to do in that church is that right we're we're the body. Paul gave the analogy, you know, and the metaphor of the ch- metaphor of the church being a body, being the body of Christ, and he said we're all part of that body. We're members of that body, in particular members of that body, and every member of that body has a function we we got a lady in our church that just had um, one of her toes amputated and a part of another one. And you know what? She's going to, you know, those little toes don't seem like much, but they're a part of that body. And they play a very important part in that body. In, in walking, in your balance, she's going to have to learn how to adjust because part of the body is gone. And when part of the body is missing, folks, when part of the body is missing, the whole Church suffers, and, and Paul said, you know, you, the, the eye can't say to the nose or the ear or whatever. I don't want to be. I I, I don't want to be what I am. I want to be what you are. No, God has set every one of us in the church as it has pleased Him. Isn't that what He said? As it has pleased Him, and it's up to each one of us to find our position and find our place and find where we are in the body, and and seek the Lord and let God use us to 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 fulfill. The, the vision that God has given to that church to be, to be a strength and encouragement and soul winners and everything that God's called us to be, we all have a place in the body. And we've talked about that before, you know. Not everybody's got a pulpit ministry. Not everybody's got a, a, a singing ministry or a music ministry. Not everybody's got a teaching ministry. And we think, well that's all that there is, you know but but you know some people have a maintenance ministry and a painting ministry amen that that's right, and that's just as important, and we'll be rewarded just as much at, when we stand before the Lord as that preacher, that pastor, that evangelist, that apostle, whoever, whatever, amen, as long as you've been faithful to what God has called you to do. I didn't intend to get off on all that, but he, he went over his list, and he said, Here's, I can't find anybody that's as capable as young Timothy. Here's individuals, Paul said, that are they're probably capable, they're, they have ability, they have gifts, that could, they could be effective, but I just can't count on them, because I don't know, if they would finish the job or not, or if they would quit in the middle, or if they would even show up when I needed them. That's a huge problem in the church today. has been all along, but it seems like more so today because most people... I'm going to give you this and then we'll quit because you're getting too quiet. But most people today in the church have more of a concern about themselves and other things and not the Lord, and not the things of the Lord. Amen. Not the things of the Lord. So, the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't hold first place in a lot of people's lives today. Do you understand that? Everybody's going to heaven, they say they are, But not everybody is holding Jesus in high esteem or putting Him first in their life. Paul said they have, what was it he said? He said, for all seek their own and not the things that are Jesus Christ. They're more concerned about their own things than they are Jesus. Somebody made a quote, said, a person who is all wrapped up in himself makes a very small package. And there's a lot of people today that's in that shape, in that very place. We're either living, we are either living in Philippians 1.21, where Paul said, for me to live is Christ, in other words, my whole life is wrapped up in Jesus, or we're living in this verse, Philippians 2.21 it says, all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. Which one are you in? See, I think it would be a good thing all of us take a little inventory. Can we say, oh, for me to live is Christ. My life is Jesus. Everything I, I am is all Jesus. I want Jesus. I want more of Jesus. I want to work for Jesus. I want to do the will of the Lord. Or do we say, ah, I want my own thing and my own way. Don't bother me, preacher. I can't help you today because i got too much stuff going on. Whoo, glory. So where does the Lord Jesus fit in? In our plans and in our activities. Verse 22. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to close. Verse 22. He said, but you know his proven character. Notice this. Paul's talking about Timothy. This is why he chose Timothy. This is why he said, I'm sending Timothy. Because you know, he said to this church, you know his proven character that as a son with his father he served, he served with me in the gospel. Timothy had what Paul said is a proven character. The word used for, that's the word, the Greek word was used for the testing of metals for purity. The testing of those metals to make sure that ore was pure. You know, it'd have to go through the fire and be melted down. The silver, gold, whatever, and all the impurities be refined out of that. And that's, that's this proven character. That's what Paul's referring to. He's referring to the fact that Timothy had been tested. He had been Proven and he had measured up. He was consistent. He was a, a young man that was faithful and loyal and genuine and pure. Timothy was not a quitter. Timothy was a young man that could be relied on, could be trusted. He'd gone through the fire, and he'd been found faithful. Hallelujah. Paul had sent him to Corinth. Paul had sent him to Thessalonica, and he proved faithful in those tests. And now Paul said, I know I can send him to philip of pie and he'll do good he'll do what I've asked him to do because he's already passed the test Paul knew that he could depend on Timothy and he said he's served with me in the gospel oh if I could encourage us tonight to in any way be a Timothy be a Timothy amen be have proven character be a Timothy Paul said in verse 23, Therefore I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust, verse 24, But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Paul was expecting. He was expecting to be released from prison. He was expecting to come to them himself. He was trusting God to get him out of jail. But... I don't believe he's in unbelief. I don't believe he's in doubt. I don't believe Paul's double-minded in any way. But he's still not sure how it's going to turn out. Do you know what I'm saying? Anybody ever been there? You're praying, you're trusting, you're believing, but you don't have a definite word from God on how things are going to turn out. And that's what Paul was saying here. He said, we're just going to see. I'm going to see how it goes. I kind of like that. That's what he said. I'm going to see how it goes with me. But, but, but. He said, I don't know. You know, he's already talked about it. I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. If I'm, if I'm martyred, if I'm put to death, you know, that's, that's the will of the Lord that I'm ready to do that. He said, I'm going to see how it goes with him. But in spite of all that, he said, I'm still trusting the Lord that I'm going to be able to come to you myself shortly. We don't have any record whether he did or whether he did not. But I can tell you one thing. All the way through, Paul was continuing to trust God for the best in his life. Whether he got out of jail, he was if he got out of jail, he was going to continue to minister and be faithful to God. If he didn't get out of jail and he was was put to death, he said, whether I live or die, I'm gonna glorify God, whether it be in life or whether it be in death. But he said, we'll just see, we'll just see how it goes. I like that. That preach right there. I'll see how it goes with me. But I'm gonna trust in the Lord. Well, when we don't know for sure how it's going to go, we just keep trusting in the Lord. God. Woo! Hallelujah! Amen? That ought to make an Egyptian mummy shout. Amen? <laughs> hey, praise God. We were all trusting and hoping and praying and believing that this presidential election was going to go a certain way. And it didn't go the way, well, it went a certain way, all right, but it didn't go the way we were. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep trusting in the Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. We were praying, and we were just waiting to see how it goes. We, you know, we were in prayer meetings some months back, and I was requesting prayer. Worship team, come on back. We're going to sing a song. I was requesting prayer for the president, and I was, re- and I was asking the prayer group at the prayer meeting to pray. For the election, and I said because you know if if and here's what I said if President Trump doesn't get reelected I said it's going to be it's going to be bad for the country it's going to be bad for the church we need him back in office and that's what I said and someone spoke up and uh, said he's getting back in and I said well I pray that he is. That's what we're going to pray that he does. He said, oh, he is. It's been prophesied. Oh, brother. (laughs) You know. And I said, well, you know, we still got to pray. And, you know, this person got got mad and left the prayer meeting. Well, listen. We got to, what I was saying, we got we to tru- continue to trust the Lord. We still don't know what's going to happen in the future. We'll see how it goes. But no matter how it goes, ladies and gentlemen, Paul was saying, I will still trust in the Lord. Even when I don't understand. Boy, right now is a good time for us all to be leaning on Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust, you know, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean to your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge God, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. That's what we got to do because, hey, I don't understand. I know what happened. Here I go, about to get kicked off again, but I know what happened. You know what happened. Everybody knows what happened in the election. We know. Well, I don't understand why nothing was done. I don't understand why church, the church and believers and Christians all over this nation prayed and prayed and prayed for a turnaround, for the what was right to be done and the 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 wrong to be righted. And it seemed like it seemed like that our prayers went unheard and unanswered, but they did not. We've seen how it's going. But we're going to keep trusting Jesus. We're going to keep praising, I ain't quitting church, I ain't giving up, I ain't getting down, and I'm going to keep the joy of the Lord. How about you? Because God's still on our side. And if God be for us, listen to me, if God be for us, who can be against us? (laughs) Hallelujah, amen, and God is on your side. Come on and give Him praise.